Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Joe Thomas joins us to talk some Baker Mayfield and Cleveland Browns. We bring you the latest OU updates. We recap a fun national title game between Alabama and Georgia, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, January 13th. Actually, it's Wednesday, January 12th. we got to decide how we're going to do that, Ted. We, we really do. But you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is voted OKC's number one casino. But it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in January from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of 80 thousand dollars in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 rocking and reeling giveaway drawings are every 30 minutes and grand prize winners will be selected at 1159. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com riverwind casino, still the one now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. You can leave a, uh, you can leave five-star reviews on Spotify now. So if you listen on Spotify, go ahead and do that. That's All right. Yeah. Also, if you want to watch the podcast, the YouTube, the YouTube channel, where all the magic happens, it's where all the magic happens. We've got a lot, a lot going on in the YouTube comments right now, Ted, but do we make the shift to Wednesday morning recording? We got to decide this because we're kind of, 
We've been extremely consistent with this podcast. I feel like we have to land because we're doing, sometimes we're doing Wednesday night. Sometimes we're doing Wednesday morning. What, what do we think? I don't mind getting it done Wednesday morning. Uh, as long as the schedule's clear, I typically don't have a problem with that. I actually like it, uh, getting it out of the, out of the way early in the day, but we do risk something happening. The, <laughs> the 24 hour news cycle we've had with Oklahoma recently does make you want to kind of wait to the last moment before you put it out there. Yeah. So actually yeah, let's just, let's just ask the people, maybe we'll take a vote <laughs> or something. I don't know, but. If something happens like Wednesday afternoon and you're like, why didn't you guys talk about it? Well, I'm sorry. I mean, there's only so much we could do. There's only so much we could do, but there's a ton of OU stuff to talk about again. Want to start with the staff? That's probably the best way to start, right? Staff has come together. Brent Venables has finalized his coaching staff on field coaching staff with Jay Valai, who has been named co-defensive coordinator he is going to head up the pass defense, and he's also going to coach the corners and nickels. A lot of titles there for our man, Jay, but we've talked about all the different places he's worked. Bama, Texas, Kansas City Chiefs, Georgia. I mean, this is this is kind of interesting about him. Before he got into coaching, he opened a sports performance training center where he trained NFL and NBA and high school athletes. Teddy, I feel, is the new guy going to make us work out? I, I I don't know. It seems like this guy's got some juice to him. I like that. Um, that's impressive. That, you know, that definitely means he's going to be on those guys' case as far as the strength and conditioning is concerned and the uh, physical development aspect of it. Um, that's great. You know, these this is, this is an important hire. This position has in my opinion, been probably the biggest weakness uh, on the OU defense for quite some time. We've had good individual players there, like we've talked about, but as a unit, the the play just has not been up to par and consistent enough. So this is a big hire. Yeah, no, and I, I know that some people, you, you see some Bama fans going, oh, you can have them. Look at what happened to the corners in the national championship game. And we'll talk about that game a lot a little later. But those were also the backup corners for Bama. And once again, I've said it before, I'll continue to say it. If he was good enough for Nick Saban, he's good enough for me. So right. one thing, you know, just looking at the press release, from Oklahoma, one thing you you notice is the fact that Venables has been one of his football mentors, right? They developed a relationship when they were out on the recruiting trail, and I thought Venables saying that Valai is going to be a head coach sooner rather than later, that's meaningful because, you know, BV, he's just not going to say stuff like that out of thin air like he he's a guy that is very careful about what he says publicly and for him to say something like that about him about the that's that's pretty indicative of how bv feels about him as a coach yeah no that's big um and you know some people may say well what if you bring in and we've heard this with lebby a little bit you know what if you bring in a guy like lebby or or Valai and they do get offered a head coaching job after one year and you've got to replace them. I, 
that's a good thing. I mean, the last thing you want is to hire a bunch of people that nobody else wants. You know, that that's that's not what you want. You want highly sought after coaches. You want coaches that are really, really good, that make you better. Yeah, there's a risk that they may leave and take a, a higher position somewhere. But, you know, the, that's could be a bad uh, indication if no one is ever moving anywhere off your staff. Upward mobility. Right. No, there, there's no doubt about that. And that's that's something that these coaches are constantly looking at. And I, I think one of the things that people are starting to see on this new Oklahoma staff are these weird titles, right? Like, hey, co-defensive coordinator, but you're like, wait, isn't Ted Roof the defensive coordinator? And now Bates and Belier are co-defensive coordinator. One's got the pass game. What One's got the run game. What does this all mean? Listen, it is, it's all about being able to pay these guys more money, right? And this is something we are, we are going to continue to see the SEC-ification of this Oklahoma program. This is something you see throughout the SEC where all these guys have these weird little random titles and you're like, what is that? It's all about paying them a higher salary. That's, that's really the justification for all the little weird titles. It's the same thing as at a bank whenever there's 10 vice presidents at, at the bank, right? There's, there's just a way to, to get a title, and that way you can tie a little more salary to it. Yeah, so uh, excited about the addition of Belay, and we'll see how it goes, right? We'll see in the fall how the corners Pressure's play. on. Pressure's on. That, that position, just because... Uh, the nature of, of what's what's happened there recently and the nature of the game. Uh, college football's turned into a passing passing game, and if you're weak at corner, it's going to stand out really quickly. Yeah, and maybe he will maybe he will be sharp enough to teach a corner how to crack replace and actually make make some tackles. You know that you know. I'm not saying that. Okay, there was a little too too little of that for our taste last season. I'm just saying, maybe maybe you can coach that up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, we've had good players and good good cover guys at corner, but one of the big problems is they were always a step or two slow mentally in rotations, and I don't know how many times it's like, oh, we gave up a deep ball because of a a missed rotation where maybe you go from being a flat player to a deep third player and you got to take a vertical down the seam. That's too many mental mistakes there, man. Yep. So hopefully uh, the new corners coach can get it ironed out. Okay. Another note, another few notes on OU staff. So the, everyone, you know, the assistants, right? Um, Alex Grinch, Brian Odom, uh, those types of guys that have moved on. Those are the ones that you you see articles written about and all that stuff. What you don't see are the guys that do a ton of stuff behind the scenes. And whether you want to call them GAs, analysts, right? Quality control, they, they've got all kinds of different titles now. But OU is losing quite a few of those guys. And you, you look at some of the guys that were on the staff this season that won't be there next season. Connor McQueen, who worked really closely with the quarterbacks, really closely with Lincoln Riley. Austin Woods, who did a lot for Alex Grinch on the defensive side of the ball, especially in-game, diagnosing some of the things opponents were trying to do. Parker Henry also worked with the defense. And then Ryan Doherty, a guy that had a big role and a big imprint 
on Oklahoma special teams over the last couple of years. All those guys, McQueen, Woods, Henry, Doherty, all joining Lincoln Riley's USC staff. And these guys, they did a lot of the legwork for game planning and preparation. They do a lot of the film breakdown, all that stuff that isn't very fun to do, but is is part of working your way up the coaching ladder. And they're all really good dudes. They got really good offers from USC. It, Ted, they just couldn't turn it down, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to go where the job is. And, you know, it's interesting. It's It's been kind of a weird dynamic because there's been a lot of guys from our staff that have gone to USC. And it's weird. Usually, whenever you're a coach and you've just been hired at USC, it's like, oh, my God, this is like the greatest thing ever. Right. But. You know, unfortunately, because of the circumstances and how a lot of things happened and unfolded, a lot of these guys want to be at Oklahoma, uh, played here or from around here, that going to USC isn't necessarily the greatest news you've ever received. Right. Yeah. No, it's it, it's a little different. And uh, selfishly, I I hate the spot that those guys have put me in. And I know that yeah, I'm, I'm making this all about myself, Ted. And I know you're kind of in a similar spot with, with B.O. I mean, Woods was a groomsman in my wedding. I was a groomsman in his. It, am I supposed to just cheer for him to fail miserably at Southern Cal? Like, that, that doesn't feel right. What do I do here? Like, am I able – how do I cheer against USC – but also, like, hope that their defense does well so that Grinch gets a head job and that Woods becomes a position coach. What do I do? This has put me in a horrible spot. Forget about those guys and their careers and their future. I'm just worried about myself right now. What do I do here? Right. Well, I think we just root for USC to lose all of their games 9-6. to six. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's what defense – be top five defense in the country, maybe even number one if they win all their games or lose all their games 9-6. But, yeah, that's lose all your games, but don't give up very many points. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what I'm going to be cheering for. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just, just put me in a horrible spot, these guys. Well, I mean, luckily, these, a lot of those guys are my close friends, if, yeah. if people couldn't tell. So it is... You know, guys that I was closest to, you know, around my age on that staff. And, you know, I, I'm excited that they're getting a, getting more money, getting all this stuff. You know, Woods is getting the senior analyst title, which is a big deal. But it's just annoying, man. They put me in a horrible spot. Well, yeah. Um, good part about it is since they play out on the West Coast, no one ever really notices that they were playing football out there. So, it may not end up being that big of a deal. We'll forget to cheer one way or the other. Wow. All right. You went there. <laughs> but with all those guys leaving, you you have to replace them. And, and we've talked about how OU is, is going to start building its staff more like you see in the SEC. So you're going to see more analysts and all those guys. And there are a couple of reports out there that Ole Miss staffer Matt Holosek? Holacek? What do you think? Holosek? I would go with check. 
Holacek, Holacek, H-O-L-E-C-E-K. Uh, several reports out there. He's coming to Oklahoma, and he was he was Lebby's assistant quarterbacks coach there at Ole Miss. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. That Lebby would bring a guy that he was working with closely to be part of the staff at Oklahoma. No, that's that's right. Um, so you've had a couple of guys from from Ole Miss be able to make the transition, which is good. You know, I think it's think it's good to bring some different guys. I know we were able to retain uh, quite a bit of staff there offensively as well, but it's it's going to be good to be able to get some different ideas in there and be able to mesh the two groups together. Uh, load coming in and now uh, getting some help in the quarterback room as well. I think it's good, good stuff. You know, a lot of these hires we're not going to know a whole lot about other than being able to read and kind of check their track record, but uh, I'm interested to see how it all meshes with the roster. Yeah, and I'm I'm still holding on hope that we can hang on to our man Ty Darlington, right? I'm still holding on hope. I'm still a couple people after him, a couple people like after it. him, possibly like becoming it. a position coach. He's in the running a couple of different places. Selfishly, I hope he doesn't get him and he sticks around. Is that <laughs> that's me to me? That's also me to me. I don't know, but yeah, no. Ty is Ty's still at Oklahoma for now, so that's that's a good thing. A guy that is not going to be at Oklahoma moving forward. Latrell McCutcheon. He has entered the transfer portal. He is a guy that when OU went and grabbed him out of the Austin area and won that recruiting battle, it was a big deal, right? Very highly recruited player has the link you want at six one. And now he, he definitely, we saw it this season, definitely needs to add weight, definitely needs to add strength, but kind of a shame that he's leaving because he's got the physical tools this defensive staff is after. And I don't remember us mentioning him on the broadcast of the Alamo Bowl, so I don't even remember if he got snaps in that game. I I don't remember him making any plays or anything like that, but it was an up-and-down year for him. Uh, gave up some big plays, but also there were points in time where you saw the flashes of what he could be if he reached his full potential, Ted. So... Kind of a bummer, man. I'm not going to lie because he, he's he got the athleticism. He's got the physical makeup that you want. Now, I the, the mental makeup, I, I haven't been around him enough to know, know kind of how he's wired, but you don't want to lose guys that have that type of body type. No, he's, he's, he's definitely got some really good uh, physical assets. Uh, you talked about the length. Yeah, it's interesting, and I don't know – I. I know that there was some things with the the previous staff where I don't know that he felt like he was getting an honest shake. Um, I think the hope for me was that with the new defensive staff coming in, uh, an opportunity to kind of start with a new slate with this crew uh, would, would keep him around and he'd want to compete and go out there and, and and try to earn his spot, earn some respect and, um, and compete. But, who knows what's gone on? Who knows who's reached out to him? Um, who knows what the current staff told him? You know, it, it, there may have been a conversation there that um, he said he was thinking about going to the transfer portal, and maybe they supported that. You know, I, I don't know how all of that went down, but he's definitely a talented kid, and I think if he goes to the right place and has the right attitude and work ethic, he can have a successful career. I just wish it would have been at Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. 
and you never know. Although the uh, the multiple paragraph statement he put out, it it, it doesn't sound like he'll because uh, I, I feel like there's still this hope for some of these guys that hey, you jump in the portal, hey, they can always come back to OU, but you you got to kind of read between the lines and some of these uh, these press releases these guys are putting out, and it's like ah, that doesn't sound like a guy that's going to consider coming back to Oklahoma. Now you never know. But it is it is interesting. Okay, Caleb Williams update. And listen, I know that a lot of people are I've kind of had it with this conversation. I understand that, but it is kind of the biggest story in college football. So I, I think we do have to continue to talk about it. And by the time some people listen to this, because remember, we're risking it. We're recording in the morning instead of at night, Ted. Caleb Williams very well could have announced he's going to USC by now, but we've all seen the picture that is floating around. Looks like it's from a Snapchat or something of him in a USC jersey. Uh, he, he was at the Rams game, at the Lakers game. They're out in LA. It feels at this point it's only a matter of time when this thing is going to get announced. And I, I think OU fans are pretty much over this. And there will be, there will be, of course there will be, a few bad people that say some really mean things to him when it becomes official. But I do feel like the vast majority of people, they kind of just moved on from this situation. And they're kind of in the acceptance phase of grieving uh, when you lose the, when you lose the most talented quarterback in college football, not fun. It's not fun, but there's no doubt in my mind that, there are going to be a lot of people when this thing is made official, there are going to be a lot of people that are very mad at Lincoln Riley when it happens. That's, that's one thing I know for sure. Well, and the, the natural, natural conversation is going to be that, well, they knew it all along. Lincoln told him very early on in the season, like this has been the plan the entire time. Um, don't know if that's true or not. My guess is that it's probably not, but uh, who knows? And frankly, at this point, who cares? Um, he's going to USC, and the University of Oklahoma, in my opinion, is not going to skip a beat. We'll be fine at quarterback. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if Mario Williams will go with him to USC. He had a visit out there this week at the same time as Caleb. Clearly, those guys are close from the recruiting process. And now I guess Mario Williams is taking an official to Texas, which I'll say it. That should be illegal. Can't do that. That should be illegal. You can't play for Oklahoma one year and then play for Texas the next. That just that should be against some sort of law. And same, you shouldn't be able to play for Texas and then play for Oklahoma the next year. That that should be against the rules. I firmly believe that. Like there should be a non-rival transfer policy built into this thing. It's just too awkward. I can't handle it. Has it happened before? No. Never? I, I, I say that. I, I am not a college football historian uh, you know, from that aspect, so maybe I'll say maybe because that's, that's the safest thing to say. Maybe it's happened. It would be it would be very strange. There is there's no doubt about it. My guess is it's it sounded all along and I don't have any any source on this that's different than anyone else, but 
uh, it sounds to me like he and Caleb Williams are going to the same place. Yeah, and you mentioned, because I have seen some people talking about it being like, oh, well, Caleb knew that Lincoln was leaving and he was going to go with them. Like, this has been in the works. It was a coup. And then I go back to the fact that all the assistant coaches told you and I that they found out like an hour before Twitter found out that he was leaving. And I'm like, no, uh, Caleb Williams didn't know because Lincoln Riley didn't tell anyone that that was in the works. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't think no way he Caleb knew. Williams knew. I don't think he knew. If he knew it was only like, it's not like he knew way in advance, like days or weeks in advance. If he, if he, if he ever knew it was day of. Yeah, maybe maybe he knew five minutes before some other people do. I, I but right. there's to the people out there, they're like, oh, he knew it from the bye week. Caleb Williams was gonna do this. He knew it. He, no. And let's not forget, the dude played really, really well in the bowl game. Like, come on. Now, if if you if you care to indulge, oh, I can boy. I can I'll, I'll tell you a story that was told to me. Now this story was told to me on either either Sunday or Monday after the Bedlam game. I can't remember if it was if it was the same day as Lincoln's announce or the, the next day. I talked to a friend that was at the Bedlam game and he says he saw Lincoln Riley after the game leave, walk out, not get on the team bus get into a SUV and leave separately. And there's only one other person that got into the SUV with him. And that was Caleb Williams. <laughs> so whether or not you believe that is up to you. All I'm doing is passing along what I was told by a friend that he witnessed. Well, I, I'm not going to call your friend a liar. <laughs> I, I, listen, it, it happened the next day. So still right. at that point, like, it's not like it's, it's that much advanced notice, but yeah, I think we're all expecting. And once again, by the time some people are listening to this, I think we're all expecting Caleb Williams uh, to announce he's headed to USC at any moment now, which, Hey, I'm not telling people how to react, right? We all, we all react differently to these things, but I, I don't think just just don't be ridiculous about it. I know that there's a little, there's a small faction of OU fans that are just going to say really stupid stuff. I know that every fan base has the, those people, but let's try to handle this as maturely as possible. I know that's a <laughs> that's a big ass Ted, like him joining the head coach that just left. I I know that this is. And there are some people that are going to be like, hey, no, I'm rooting for Caleb Williams. He gave us that Texas game. Like, I'll always be thankful for him for that. And maybe that's the most positive way of looking at this thing. But, yeah, I would – there's going to be a bit of a backlash, I suppose. A bit yeah, of a backlash. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just hey, – that's college football, man. It's, it's college football. It's – this is entertainment. And here's the thing, man. 
once you step into the NIL game and people are talking millions of dollars, you've kind of eliminated yourself from the they're just college kids talk, right? That is that is one thing to factor in. There, there's no doubt. And that's what we've talked about the professionalization of this sport a little bit, how it's starting to feel more and more like a business. Well, this is about the most business-like decision that we've seen since all of these major rule changes were implemented. So yeah, we'll see if OU fans give Caleb Williams a business-like response. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but I will say, right. and just try to try to be as classy as you can people. I, I know it's going to get ugly, but just, just try. That's all I'm saying. The last thing I'll say on it is I, I really like the way that the University of Oklahoma approached this whole thing. I, it was pretty quickly as soon as I think it was the same day that Caleb Williams officially announced that he was in the transfer portal that we moved on instantly and started signing guys at quarterback. I didn't show that we were going to get strung along and try and tra- play the big uh, any type of bidding war with NIL stuff or anything. We moved on quickly. I, I think that was the best way to do it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. Dylan Gabriel. Seems like he he may have some competition for this job after all, which I think is a great thing. And I, I know you agree with me. It It's always good to create competition at every position on a roster. But we've got Chubba Purdy, who if you are on Twitter, like the, the family posts everything. Love it. Keeping us all updated on how the visit is going, but he, he's visiting as we're recording this. He's been there Tuesday, Wednesday, and then from, you know, multiple people saying Jackson Dart coming in this weekend. And if you have not seen Jackson Dart play, if, if you can, if you can get over your disgust to go watch some USC highlights and watch some of the things that that young man did this year, he can play now. I mean, he is a talented talented kid but well true freshman what third game of the year so he had to go in because of injury right to Slovis and he went for what 390 almost 400 yards and a win against Washington State Uh, that's that's pretty impressive for your first outing as a as a college football player yeah I mean there's no doubt so the the one thing I will say is it does feel like no matter who they bring in right the Dylan Gabriel would have a big head start on anyone with his knowledge of Levy's system. And I've been told that Gabriel has all the leadership qualities you could ever ask for. And kind of the expectation for him would be for him to be a captain of the team him be the leader of the offense and kind of the consensus leader of this entire football team moving forward. So, I guess the question becomes, does does bringing a guy in like Purdy or like Jackson Dart to compete, like does that disrupt that leadership dynamic at all? Because when you think about it, OU really hasn't had that vocal leader, that emotional leader, uh, that kind of like un, like un- rivaled leader of the team since Baker, right? Because Kyler was, everyone knew he was the best player. He was just a quiet guy. So I don't, I don't know, but am I, am I thinking too much into that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that 
you can look back to Baker and there was no doubt whose football team it was. And, and ever since that, it's kind of maybe been up in the air a little bit. And I think that's going to be a big thing. You know, Caleb Williams took over the, the starting duties halfway through the season. And, you know, that left a weird power dynamic in the locker room and on the field, right? Um, a true freshman coming in. And I know the fans and people loved his like up and down the sideline clapping, trying to get guys going. But I, I just remember the, the images of him going up and down the, the sideline clapping at Kansas and basically the defense giving him the eye roll, like you're a freshman dude, get out of here. So I think there was, there was some weird, weird dynamics there on the football team. Um, if you get a guy like Gabriel can come in, you know, kind of take that spot. People, people feed off of that and he's going to have some eligibility and he ain't going anywhere. So I think that would be a good positive for the football team for sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that develops through winter workouts and, and through spring ball. We'll definitely, definitely keep an eye on that. Okay. Last you think actually a couple things, uh, but Kai Wingo, who is a defensive tackle from Missouri. He's one of the most sought after defensive linemen in the transfer portal this cycle. He's visiting OU this weekend as well. It would be awfully nice if Todd Bates could land him, right? That'd be that would be very helpful when you think about the the interior defensive linemen that are moving on, right? And although they got some good players that that have played a lot of snaps for him, you know, guys like Ellison, like Kelly, like those they, those guys are good players, but you can't have too many good interior defensive linemen. Just t- just bring them all, bring them all. Yeah, and I don't know what his his measurables are, like what he's listed at, but he looks the part. <laughs> he looks like uh, a defensive lineman. He he kind he has like a. I'd, I'd almost compare it to like a Ronnie Perkins type of build, but he's even heavier looking. He's he's an impressive looking dude. So, yeah, man, those those transfers at the defensive line. We already got um, the big guy six six two eighty out of Hawaii. So that would be a good addition because you know we lost. That's where we lost the most production. So we're gonna have really good opportunities for transfer guys to come in and be big contributors right away. Yeah, so we'll see if we can get a a Wingo to pair with Laulu. God, love give me all the fun names. We're starting to sound like a real defensive line, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> last last OU thing from the week for the seventh straight season, the Oklahoma Sooners have finished in the AP top ten and finish at number ten. So barely squeaking in there, but. Uh, finished as the number 10 team in the country and it's it's a cool accomplishment when you when you look at the streak like there's not many teams that can say that they have finished in the top 10 that many years in a row but ultimately when we look back on this season finishing number 10 is a it's a big disappointment I don't know how else to put it other than that Ted, because I, I saw some people putting it out there like, oh, look at the streak, all the stuff, like the consistency. Yes, that's awesome. But there's no other way to paint this season anything other than a big disappointment, right? This was a team that was supposed to be playing 
on Monday night, and they they weren't close to that. And you can say whatever you want about the the level of investment that the head coach had, where that focus was, all those things. But yeah, it just top ten's great, not even close to what this football team was supposed to be. Um, not even close to what you know we were hearing about this team heading into the season. Just well, it is what the, it is, I guess, at this point. Right. All that that top ten finishes is um, a number that fans can throw at another fan base in the comment section. That's all that that's ever going to be. But you know, here's the thing: we just watched Stetson Bennett win a national championship. Now, I I get it. The defense that he had on the other side was unreal. Um, the talent he had around him offensively was was top notch. But the fact that Stetson Bennett at quarterback at Georgia won a national championship is kind of it goes back to the reason and Cincinnati made the playoff and Michigan made the playoff. It goes back to the reason why a lot of people, myself included, picked this year specifically for Oklahoma to make a run at the title. It wasn't all about what Oklahoma was going to be. It was, it was also mainly about what the landscape of, of college football looked like. And it was a very winnable year. Yep. And we'll we'll see, man, what OU's roster is going to look like next season. I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the biggest storylines of the off season in college football. All right, let's get to call your shot. We've got, we've got a couple. Uh, We asked you what was the most important thing that happened this week for OU football and Brett Crawford says Venables filling out the staff recruits at every position know where OU stands, which clarifies Venables vision of what his teams will look like and play like also the entire program replicating the Bama Clemson blueprint, huge recruiting budget, elite coaches, very excited. I I do think that Brett makes a good point about, okay, the staff is complete. Now there, there is no longer any mystery around Oklahoma when when they're hitting the recruiting trail every position they can they can present a clear plan hey who your coach is going to be what we're going to do defensively offensively that's really important so all all the mystery is out of it you've also got the the factor now that and we'll see what year when it happens but that OU is going to the SEC eventually that you can use and, and I know that Venables and his staff are leaning into that so it does feel like things have been cleared up completely now for for this new staff on the recruiting trail. Yep, and it's all solidified. And the thing that sticks out the most is the hires almost across the board are SEC footprint hires, guys that have relationships in the high schools in SEC country to go in and compete for those those recruits that are coming out of that footprint. Saw something the other day. I think it was like 139, I think, blue chip or five-star players have come from SEC footprint over the last however many years compared to, I think, 113 or something like that of the rest of the country combined. So – the footprint of the SEC is where the majority of the big-time football players are coming from. Stands to reason, that's where you want to get guys with relationships when it comes to recruiting. Yep, and Brent Venables has done just that. All right, 
Let's get to our interview with Joe Thomas. But we have to do birthday shout-outs. A lot of them, the, the requests Ooh. are rolling in. We got we to gotta roll through them, Ted. Happy birthday to Haley Moxley. What an awesome name. Haley Happy birthday, Moxley. Haley. Happy third birthday to Rory Roller. Whoa. We're off to a good start on names. Rory Roller, that is amazing. Happy birthday. You think birthday. that's Roller or Roller? Roller, right? sounds better. That's what yeah, we're rolling heck with. Yeah. Happy early sixth birthday to Leah Barnes all the way out in Hawaii. All right, Leah. Happy birthday, Leah. Happy fifth birthday to Caleb Rousey. Happy birthday, Caleb. Happy 10th birthday to Patrick Olney. Happy birthday, Patrick. Happy 36th birthday to Brian Delgado. Delgado. Happy birthday, Brian. Great name. Happy 40th birthday. Look at you, just like you, Ted. Happy 40th birthday to Chad Littlefield. Happy birthday, Chad. Happy 45th birthday to one of our OG listeners, Will Double. Happy birthday, Will. Happy 65th birthday to Tony Skinner. Tony Skinner, 65. Happy birthday. Happy 46th birthday to Seth Pound. Happy birthday, Seth. And then happy, let's see, I got it in a Facebook message, which I do not get, but Knox Thornton, happy birthday to Knox Thornton, turning eight, all right. Happy birthday, Knox. Happy, oh, no, now we're on to the more random ones. Congrats, <laughs> I say that, it's the birth of a child. It's not random. Leo Rapp, you're, you're, you're not random. You're, you're a new, beautiful child in this world. Congrats to the Rapp family on the birth of Leo Rapp. Congratulations, rap family. Shout out to Corey Kasky, who will be running a marathon this weekend, 10 years to the day of having to be life-flighted for open-heart surgery. Wow. That is quite the accomplishment. Take it easy out there. Take it easy. That's awesome, though. Marathon, amazing. Hell yes, Corey. Good stuff, man. You're going to crush it. All right, let's get to Joe Thomas's interview. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Opalus Clothing has the coolest OU shirts. Shirts look great. They're buttery soft and they last forever. Shirts are the absolute best. Opalus also has great OKC Thunder gears. You see 
gay bikers sporting right there. So this is a throwback, and you you never know when they're going to stop making a certain design. So you got to buy them while you can, people. I don't think they make this one anymore. And to do so, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O P O L I S clothing.com and use our promo code TED T E D for 15% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com and use the promo code TED for 15% off. All right, let's talk some Cleveland Browns and NFL with a legend, Joe Thomas. It is our pleasure to be joined by a future NFL Hall of Famer. He may be the most beloved man in the city of Cleveland. Uh, You can catch the Tom and Hawk show on Amazon Music. Look at you getting in with Bezos already. Mm. Gosh, you're a smart man. Is he shooting into space or is it just a podcast? I just want to hang out on this yacht. Y'all can have the space stuff all you want. I have no interest in looking at the earth from outer space because I can buy a picture, but that like 500 foot yacht with two helicopters. Now that's where I want to be. Now that looks like a good place to be when it's 20 below in January, go to somewhere in the Mediterranean or the Caribbean with Bezos. Now that that's how I want to watch my playoff football. Yeah, we, we got a lot of cover. We got a lot of ground to cover here, Joe. So want to start with your Cleveland Browns, right? And I don't know if you know this, but the Cleveland Browns are the unofficial NFL team of the state of Oklahoma. Now it is, it's (laughs) insane how many Browns fans there are here now because of Baker Mayfield, but they come into the year with really high expectations, arguably the most talented roster in the NFL heading into the year. And they end up going eight and nine, end up missing the playoffs. I know that this, this is going to be a complicated answer, but Hmm. what went wrong? Yeah, right. Uh, Well, since everybody in Oklahoma is a Browns fan, they know that Baker hurt his shoulder like week two or three, uh, torn labrum, broken bone in there. I was never a shoulder guy. Like I've had plenty of injuries, believe me, lots of surgeries on my knees and ankles and hip and neck. Everything was bad, elbow surgery, but my shoulders were good. So I don't have a lot of experience in this space. But they tell me that the shoulder is important to throw the football. And especially when you're a guy like Baker, who you guys know watching him in college and now in the NFL, like he's a smaller stature quarterback who uses his entire body like a spring to throw the football. So when you have a bum shoulder, it's completely limiting not only your ability to put zip on the ball, but to put it accurately where it needs to go. And I was one of the guys that after watching for a couple of weeks with that shoulder harness, he didn't look like himself. And I was like, let him sit and rest. Like, what are we doing rolling him out there? Because he's not able to perform at his best. He's not giving the team the best chance to win. So let's either figure out how long it's going to take when he rests and rehabs to get him ready or get him the surgery now. But it's not good for Baker and it's not good for the team if you're putting him out there and he's not able to perform at a level that allows your team the success to win and compete for a championship. What do you think it's like for him? Because I know there's a lot of conversation about his contract and it's, it's one of those things where you do have a contract year coming up or there's going to be decisions to be made. You want to play your best football clearly during that time. But if you're banged up, you want to show that you're going to put it all out there on the line for your team. But we know this is big business. And the problem with big business is when you sit down at the table, they're not going to say, well, yeah, you're right. Your shoulder was banged up. They're going to say the numbers just aren't any good. So did he personally play that right? Like, I, I, how do you even approach that? Did you ever have to deal with something like that? 
Yeah, it's a bottom line business, right? And as a competitor, and I think one of the things that makes Baker as special as he is and has been is that competitive fire that he has, right? That like never say never, never let die type attitude, which is amazing in so many walks of life, especially on the football field. But sometimes you just need to protect the player from themselves. Like how often do you hear that in NFL locker rooms where guys are like, literally, I'm not going off the field because if you grow up, Playing sports, like probably you guys did where your parents were like, I don't care what you decide to do, but you got to see it through. There's no quitting you. You stay out on the field until you can't. That was always my attitude. Like I knew when I was going through my streak before I got over 10,000 snaps, I didn't care what my injury was. I knew that if I tried to get up and play a play and I fell to the ground because I couldn't do it, they were going to come and carry my carcass off the field. Like that was my mentality. That's Baker's mentality. And I think that's great. But there are certain situations when you're healthy enough to go out and play football, but you're not healthy enough to go out and play football well. And that's when somebody in the organization over the top of your head says, time to step in, protect you from yourself. Because like I mentioned, and like you mentioned there, Teddy, it's a bottom line business. Like the GM that you're negotiating with when it comes to your contract isn't going to say, well, this is how well you played. We're going to pay you this much. And we're going to add about 20% because we know you were a little bit banged up and we know you had these problems and these things that were going on. So we think you're going to be better than that. Like, that's not how it works. They, they look at your performance and the results and they say, this is what you're worth. And so I think with, with all the being said, it would have been great. And maybe it would have, maybe it should have been Baker's agent. Maybe it should have been the coach, the trainers. I don't know who it was, but obviously somebody needed to step in there at some point during the season after seeing that it just wasn't getting better. Like it just was the same thing over and over again and say, Hey man, let's take a step back. This is us pulling you out. It's not you. This is not going to hurt you in any way, shape or form. It's only going to be better for you in the long run because you can get healthy and you can prove that you are the franchise quarterback. The Browns think you are. Okay, so you look at, let's say, the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland athletes in the well, Gabe past 20 Arthur, years. obviously, is uh, your George Washington. So that's, go on. That, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you look at it, it's, it's you. It's LeBron James. Uh, maybe you could put one of the guys from the Indians, the Cleveland Indians, mm-hmm. on there. And then... Uh, people still really like Kyrie for hitting that shot, but mm-hmm. it it's probably Baker, right? And I I say that to to say like, how do you feel Cleveland views him now? Because he was, I mean, was he was creeping up on Joe Thomas mm-hmm. territory <laughs> as of, he should, man. Yeah, of let's go of being you know levels of being loved there. Where, where does that kind of lie after after the season he just had? Well, he's a very polarizing figure right now, right? Because as you guys know, an NFL team is only as good as where their quarterback can take them. I don't care who your coach is. I don't care who your general manager is. I don't even really care who the rest of the team is. If you don't have great quarterback play, you can't compete with the best teams in the NFL. And Baker didn't play very well this season. And so there's still a ton of people that believe in Baker that are in Cleveland that want him to get the surgery and come back and be better than ever because they believe in him, right? But then there's some of those people that feel the shoulder wasn't holding him back for whatever reason, and they point to the fact that the team didn't pull him out to say that, hey, he was healthy enough to play, he just didn't play well, and we believe that he's not good enough to take us to a Super Bowl, and they want to find somebody else. And so I think it, it, it there really is a big split in the fan base right now with a perception of how Baker is seen. But I think 
when you look back a couple of years, the reason Baker was creeping onto that Mount Rushmore is because of that personality that it has, because of that competitiveness, that chip on his shoulder. People in Cleveland identify with that, right? They love the blue collar guy. They, that's why they've always loved Lyman. That's why Gabe Eichert is the George Washington uh, on the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland athletes is because they identify with tough, gritty, given nothing, earned everything, never say never, never say die attitude that are willing to work and, and they're willing to have a little bit of swagger. And that's exactly who Baker Mayfield is. And so I think they really identify with him. They want him to work. They want it to succeed. But in the end, like I said before, it's a bottom line business. If you take my team to the playoffs, everybody's going to love you. If you don't take my team to the playoffs, especially when there's playoff expectations, then people are going to start jumping off the bandwagon. Let the record show that I am a big Baker Mayfield fan. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, caveat. Love, love covering the guy in college. Love watching him play. But you said it. Is, is our guy good enough to, to get us to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? I think Cleveland has done some really good things through the draft, through free agency. The roster is in a really good place. Is he good enough to get Cleveland to a Super Bowl or – is in your opinion are they do they have to start looking at options there and a lot of people think frankly the way that they played that last game and kind of hung him out to dry there uh, with some of the protection stuff is that they are trying to move on it what do you think I mean there's really good arguments on both sides I I tend to think that the Baker the real Baker, I'll, I'll call it, is the Baker of the second half of last season, 2020, when he played really good football. He led him to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. To me, that's the real Baker, and that's the guy I hope that is under center in 2022, and he's able to lead the team back to the playoffs, and they sign him to a long-term extension. With that being said, I don't care who you are in the NFL, and I don't care your loyalty to the, the players. Like Your job as a GM is to field the best roster possible. So Andrew Barry, who's the GM of the Browns, came out after the season at his season-ending press conference and said, we fully expect to be ba- to, for Baker to be back to be our quarterback of 2022, which means they expect him to be there, but they're still going to do their due diligence on some of these other quarterbacks that could be available if they feel like they can upgrade the position. Because potentially this offseason, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. What am I missing? Oh, That's, Derek Carr. Yeah. So there's there's five guys that have had at least the level of success that Baker's had or greater that potentially could be available. Oh, Deshaun Watson. That was the obvious one that I didn't think about. But like there's a lot of guys out there that any GM should reasonably look at and say, hey, this is a business decision. Like, what would I have to give up to get this guy? And would it make our team better or would it make our team worse? And so I think that's the evaluation the Browns are going to take. And I, I think they, they truly believe they won't be players in the market with any of those guys, whoever becomes available, because there are way more desperate quarterback teams in the NFL than the Browns. And I think they really do want to see with a healthy Baker Mayfield, what he can do with this roster. And he's on his fifth year rookie option, which is only 19 million for a quarterback. That's a pretty reasonable salary. And they want to give him the chance to earn that long-term contract. And they don't want to throw him away prematurely. Um, especially if they had to give away the farm to get one of those guys in order to replace him. So this is the last one I have kind of about the bake about Baker and the Browns for you, Joe, 
I, I don't think, I don't know how much it helps, but it certainly doesn't hurt that all these guys, all of his, all these teammates have come out in support of him, uh, talking about his toughness, talking about his leadership, all those things, you know, hear what Nick Chubb said, you hear what Jarvis Landry said, like, is, is that that big of a deal in the long run to you that his teammates have kind of come out and publicly supported him the way that he, they have? Mm-hmm. I, to me, it just backs up like who he is as a person, right? I, I always enjoyed the quarterbacks that were willing to get in the weight room with you and lift weights with you. They were they were not off doing their own thing. Like they wanted to hang out. They would go eat pizza with you. They'd go drink some beers. Like you build a good relationship with that type of a person and you want to fight for that type of a person and that type of a quarterback. And not all quarterbacks are like that. Uh, Baker is one of those guys. He's like that. He's a guy you could sit down and drink a beer with. And clearly he's got a lot of support in that locker room, whether that plays into the mindset of the GM or not on whether to keep him or try to replace him. I think it does a little bit. I don't think it has a big impact, but certainly you have to understand like, Hey, if he's well-liked and guys like to play for him, that has to factor into your decision on if this is your guy or not long-term, just like on the flip side of the coin, if he's a turd sandwich and nobody likes him and nobody in the locker room wants him to be around and he's sort of a little bit of a cancer, you have to play that into things and you have to factor that into your decision-making. So I, I definitely think that who he is in that locker room is definitely going to be a net positive as the general manager evaluates him and his performance moving forward. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Speaking of turd sandwiches. um, (laughs) Ooh, yummy. It's almost (laughs) lunchtime. Take us through the Odell Beckham Jr. thing. Now, um, a lot of people obviously have have said that this this whole thing was coming. It was just a matter of time before it happened. And I'm not saying this is the case with Odell, but every now and then there's a guy in a locker room that basically is just saying blatantly out loud what everyone else is kind of thinking, you know, and <laughs> like, what, what was like, this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it do it again come on man i can't say it but you can <laughs> right so what was that whole situation like and was it one of those things where everyone around it kind of knew it was a ticking time bomb i think because of the numbers that odell was putting putting up it became a ticking time bomb because as much as receivers say hey we want to win like Yes, but they want to win and they want to get their numbers, especially when you have a guy like Odell Beckham, who clearly the way he started his career and the way his brand has kind of blown up on a national and even an international stage, it was really important for him to be able to win and build a legacy because his eyes and his horizon is, hey, I want to go to the Hall of Fame. I want to be one of the most legendary receivers in the NFL. And then I want to do big things outside of football. And you can only do that if you win and you get the numbers. And for whatever reason, whether it was the offense, whether it was the play calls, whether it was the quarterback, he wasn't getting the football all that much. He wasn't putting up numbers and he was just a guy in Cleveland. And so it was only a matter of time before either those numbers went up and he was starting to get his catches and his touchdowns, 
or he was going to find a way to get out of Cleveland. And I think if you would have asked me when they traded him from New York, if he would have had the numbers that he had over the last, I don't know, 16 weeks before he ended up getting traded, if he wouldn't have become more of a vocal malcontent, I probably wouldn't have believed you because his history is that if he's not getting the ball, like he's going to make everybody known, everybody know that he's not getting the football and he's not happy. And the fact that it actually ended up coming from his father and it quickly turned into him being traded, I think is a little bit of a testament to his maturity where it didn't become such a huge issue in the locker room, in the media where he was vocal about it. And it kind of just came to a head and he maybe slipped a little uh, information to his dad so he could put out the little YouTube hit video and then he got out of town. And so I think the actually the end of the Odell Beckham era was probably as seamless as you could have imagined from a type of icon wannabe like uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah, it it was it was a weird situation. There's no doubt, but he is he's making some plays for the Rams, and we'll see if he has he has a big impact for them in the postseason. Speaking of postseason, Joe, well, with all your work with NFL Network and with what you guys talk about on your podcast, got to talk some NFL playoffs, right? Got the new seventeen format this season. When you look at the league. What teams do you think are playing the best football heading into the playoffs? Packers, obviously. They've been the most consistent team throughout the entire NFL season. They're easily everybody's number one, so we'll just cross them off the list. But the teams that I'm going to say, hey, these are the sleeper teams you guys better watch out for, are the teams that I feel had to fight the hardest to get into the playoffs. Because just like in A Princess Bride, you fart hardest when death is on the line. And death was on the line for the San Francisco 49ers, and that made them better. They became a better team because it really came down to the wire for them. And I think the teams that sometimes coast into the playoffs, they don't get any better. And there's so much parity in the NFL. You look at just how many teams are right around 500 and how meaningful week 18 actually was for the first time in recent memory, because there was all these teams that were basically equal except for a couple of plays here and there, which a lot of times came from a quarterback doing something great down the stretch that those teams that had to fight and scratch and claw to get into the playoffs a lot like the Buccaneers did last year are the teams that are hot. They're playing their best and they've improved the most towards the end of the season. And I think those are the teams that you watch out for in the playoffs. And I think the San Francisco 49ers are that team this year. Cincinnati a little bit too, right? They yeah, they would be my there. second team if I had to pick an AFC team. Yeah, at the end of the season, and you know, I, I expected Cincinnati to to make some moves and to get a little bit better. We saw some really good flashes from Joe Burrow before he got hurt, but man, that team has really shocked me the way that they came on the second half of the season. Yeah, it's really come down to that quarterback, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Cool playing unbelievable football. The connection he has with Jamar Chase, especially down the stretch, like. I, me and my kids are watching the Bengals Browns game in week 18 and they were showing Joe Burrow's stats from like the last two weeks. And I had to scratch my eyes. It was like in two games, he had almost a thousand yards passing and it was like 10 touchdowns. And Jamar chase was, you know, four, 400 yards receiving. It was just mind boggling. The things that he was doing from the quarterback position and he was doing it efficiently. Like it wasn't like he was turning the ball over or, a bunch of short passes that were just getting taken to the house. Like he was throwing the ball down the field. He was hitting guys in stride and 
that's one of those other teams that I think would be is potentially really dangerous in the playoffs because of how good the quarterback is playing because of how hot they are right now and how confident they are going into the playoffs. Just like we have a lot of Browns fans. We we've got a lot of, a lot of Arizona Cardinal fans mm, that listen to yes, this. Uh, of Kyler Murray. Yeah. Interesting that they're playing that game on a Monday night. That mm. is, that's an interesting scheduling format, mm. but what what are some of your thoughts on that game, right? Arizona just a kind of limping into the playoffs, yeah. uh, kind of the exact opposite of, of what you want. Yeah. But it, it's not like the Rams have finished just all kinds of strong either. So, what what do you think about that game? So, on my Twitch show that I do on Mondays, we always have to pick our like top five teams this week you know they the producers they always think it's it's fun to give a power ranking and for like 12 weeks of the season i had cardinals because i just thought they were the most balanced team they had such a good secondary they have a good pass rush chandler jones is a beast on the edge like their defense plays really really good uh with experience their offense kyler murray is the most exciting quarterback in the nfl with what he can do outside the pocket with what he can do extending plays and then he's got that arm, right? The cannon to throw it all over the field, but they also throw a lot of short passes and they just eat you up from like the inside out. And so I just thought the balance that they had and the number of weapons they had and the ability to just spread guys out and find the mismatch. I just thought that was going to play so well this season. And they really pissed down their leg down the stretch And in December. And I really don't have an answer for it other than maybe Cliff Kingsbury being a younger coach has a great offense to start the season. But as you guys know, as the NFL season goes, every offense and defense is evolving because teams are constantly finding ways to defeat what you're doing well. And you have to morph into something else. And it just seems like that Cardinals offense hasn't been able to morph, especially with a few injuries to Kyler kind of during the middle part of the season, they kind of lost their flow. Um, and so there's definitely some Cardinals bias still left in me because I still believe Kyler Murray can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And so I'm looking at them going, yeah, man, if they get hot, they could easily win the Super Bowl because they've got all the pieces together. And if they could play like they did the first half of the season, there's nobody that can beat them. I don't even care if they play the Packers in Lambeau Field. That ability to spread things out and just hit the ball to your playmakers is unstoppable. And then if their defense plays great, like they're the best team in the NFL. So um, that's going to be a fun one against the Rams because the Rams are another inconsistent team with great talent on both sides of the football. So you're kind of matching very similar teams there with super high expectations, great talent all across the roster, but just inconsistent play from week to week. Uh, last one I wanted to ask you about was the the Titans. You know, they roll in winning their, their last three, getting Derrick Henry uh, healthy at the right time. He's going to be, uh, you know, I guess fresh everywhere else other than coming off of injury. Uh, is is Tennessee a team that kind of felt quiet for a, a decent part of the season? I guess maybe we we just think that highly of them now. But with with getting him back, is this is this going to make their march through even that much stronger? I, I think it's going to help. There's no doubt that having a great running back like Derrick Henry back is additive, but he's not callous the way he was during the season with the amount of hits that you have to take as a running back to be able to produce at the top five percent of your position. So he might get out there for 10 or 12 carries might get 10 or 12 touches. And if they choose to continue to ride him for 20, 25 touches, I think he just is going to wear down a little bit. So it's not going to be the same Derrick Henry that you're used to seeing. But on top of that, I think 
I would pick against the Titans, honestly, in their first game for two reasons. Um, one, because they're a team that plays really well as a team, which plays well during the season because you get these teams that are kind of up and down throughout the season. And if you're just real steady and you have good talent, like the Titans do and good coaching, like you're going to win a few more than you lose. And in this year's NFL, especially in the AFC, I could put you in the first overall seed in your conference, which is what happened with the Titans. But when it comes to be playoff time and all of a sudden you're playing all these teams that are hot, that have great quarterbacks, a lot of times the game comes down to who has the better quarterback down the stretch. And I, as much as Ryan Tannehill has done a great job, he's not one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And when it's two minute drill and you're driving down the field, do I want to have Ryan Tannehill under center or do I want to have Patrick Mahomes? And I think that's what it comes down to. And so unfortunately for the Titans, I see an early exit from the playoffs. Okay. Last one. And we'll let you get out of here, Joe. Super Bowl prediction. Who you got? Yeah, I like uh, Chiefs and Packers, and uh, I think the Packers win this one. Aaron Rodgers playing too well right now, too motivated to win that Super Bowl to kind of put himself in some rarefied air with multiple Super Bowl championships and multiple MVPs. I think that's what everyone would want to see. Do you think if, if he won one, does that make him more likely to leave or stay in Green Bay? Yeah, I actually think no matter what happens, he's going to stay. It seems like him and Brian Gutekunst have really smoothed things over. Ryan, uh, Brian Gutekunst has done a good job of sort of placating Aaron and making him feel like he's part of the process, making him feel like it's a partnership and not a dictatorship. And I think that's all that Aaron wanted. And on top of that, I think he really likes Matt LaFleur. They work well together. Matt's like, he's not a super dominating personality. He's not like a Bill Belichick where it's my way or the highway. And I think that's what Aaron wants. That's what he needs. He needs a cerebral coach that'll be additive and kind of help with some of the game planning. And he doesn't need a coach. that's just going to be a dick to him to like motivate him. He's internally motivated clearly because he gets pissed off with everything that you can possibly imagine that comes out about him. Um, so I actually think he will stay in green Bay and he's not going to leave, but there is that 5% wild card that you're, you always have when you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers. Actually one more instant reaction question. The best Ooh. tackle in football is Trent Williams. Boomer. Let's go. He's a monster. I mean, I like even when, when I was playing and people were like, who's the best? Well, I'm like, oh, you know, I think I'm the best, but the most exciting tackle is easily Trent Williams because he takes people's heads off almost every play. And he instills fear in defense that I never was able to do. Yeah. He, uh, he can play a little bit. He can play a He's little right. bit. Yeah. Right. All right, Joe, man. Appreciate the time, dude. Uh, as always, keep killing it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me on as always. Packers for Joe. Packers. A lot of people picking the Packers. It's hard to argue with it, man. They are they're they're playing really good football. Defense is playing uh really good football. And Aaron Rodgers is is Aaron Rodgers. Amazing. He is he's a lot of fun to watch. That would be the Super Bowl, Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers that everyone would love to see. Yeah, you look at that opening, you know, this this wild card weekend slate. It's going to be fun, man. Raiders Bengals should be fun. New England Buffalo, like Buffalo. It's supposed to be like three degrees. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think Philly Tampa is going to be that close, but San Francisco Dallas would not surprise me if San Francisco went there and won. Uh, I, I think we all agree that Pittsburgh, Kansas City is going to be gross. And then the <laughs> Monday nighter between Arizona and, and the Rams is certainly is interesting because. I guess Arizona, they've been a good road team for the most part this season, so we'll see if they can get it done. 
No, that's that's it's going to be crazy having a playoff game on a Monday night. I love it for me. I hate it for those teams uh, yeah. turning into a short week for them in the playoffs. Just brutal. It's ridiculous. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, it's winter, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub. By the fire and at the tailgate, you can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic driving flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, got to recap the national championship game, and it it had a little bit of everything. Georgia ends up beating Bama 33-18. Game was closer than the final score, but... The first thing that stood out, and you and I were texting about this during the game, the size, the speed, the physicality of those guys on that field, it was it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch, and it felt about as close to an NFL game as a college game can feel. But we also were wondering, as we were watching it, how many guys on OU's roster that are still on OU's roster would have started in that game on either side of the ball for either team. And we came to the conclusion, maybe one, maybe. (laughs) Well, if we're not counting uh, Michael Turk, our punter, then maybe one, maybe uh, with Braden Willis. Outside of that, tough. Yeah, which I, I think it, it speaks to the the work that Brent Venables and that new staff they've they've got to put in to to get Oklahoma to the level that Alabama and Georgia are at because it's I mean and it's not I, I don't think I'm stating anything anyone doesn't know already but OU from a roster standpoint is not at the level of those two teams so that's. That's why Brent Venables took the job. He's accepted the challenge. He's talked about it publicly. Got to get to that level. Not going to be easy because there was so much talent on the field, but it's what you have to do. If you want to win national championships, it's what you have to do. So looking at the game itself, I love offensive football. I love it. But even I appreciated the defense that was played in that first half. And I know it turned into a field goal fest. People were getting their jokes off, but both Bama and Georgia's defenses 
were damn good in that first half. And honestly, they were pretty damn good throughout this game. I, I know that that first half was not exciting to watch necessarily, but watching it through the lens of an offensive lineman was straight up painful because both of those offensive lines were just getting assaulted by the the opposing front sevens, Ted. And the game got really exciting, right? Midway through the third quarter and then the fourth quarter was just fantastic and I think kind of saved the game. But this game had a little bit of everything for you. Like, if you love defensive, like, field position, football, you got that first half. If if you love physical football, it was the entire damn game. And that fourth quarter had, like, the back-and-forth exciting plays, offensively big explosive plays. So this game had a little bit of everything in it. No, well, and I like it whenever, you know, th- there's there's games whenever they're low-scoring because of, of poor play that makes it tough to watch. That's not what, what this game was. It was difficult to move the ball because of really, really good defenses, and you had to really execute. You had to throw into tight windows under pressure in order to, to get first downs and move the ball down the field, and I think that's enjoyable to watch. Um, you know, I really do, and it was it was just a matter of time until someone was able to to kind of break it open or be able to really capitalize off of uh, off of a big play. Alabama had a couple of opportunities and and couldn't capitalize off of big plays. And Stetson Bennett is able to finally loosen up a little bit and start whipping it down the field and hit on some nice big big chunks. Yeah, there there's no doubt that Georgia defense was awesome in the red zone for the most part that it helps when Latou the tight end drops touchdown passes Oof. that, yep. that, that certainly helps the defense out. But yeah, the story of this game is Stetson Bennett. Now I'm of the belief that the story of the game should be Georgia's defense because they won him the football game, right? They, they did. They were the most dominant unit all season in college football. I know what happened in the sec championship game. They redeemed themselves in this one. I mean, they just destroyed Bryce Young. I mean, absolutely hit him, battered him, bruised him. And I, I know Bryce Young had the the two interceptions, which were both from from the looks of it, bad decisions. But I, I actually gained respect for Bryce Young in this game because he took so many hits, was delivering the ball accurately as he was getting hit. And his guys just didn't help him out, man. I, they just didn't help him out. They didn't make the big plays, you know, the big competitive plays you got to make in a championship game to win it all. I, I thought Bryce Young was spectacular, all things considered, especially with the amount of pressure, the, the number of hits he took from that Georgia front seven. I just, uh, clearly Jamison Williams going down was a, was a huge factor and that sucked, but yeah, the Bama's receivers, they just they didn't make enough plays for him, in my opinion. That's that's how I saw it at least. Yeah. Being down two thousand yard receivers is really difficult to overcome. Um I, I'll tell you what I thought was was really just interesting to watch. I'm so used to to seeing quarterbacks be able to um step out of trouble and just be able to gain the edge on the outside, run around defensive ends. 
there was no running around any defensive ends in this game. The closing speed both of those defenses have on the edge and by guy, and guys coming after the quarterback is just it's insane. If you try and bail from the pocket and go around the edge on the outside, it's just flat out not going to happen. Yeah, the the speed in this game was I mean, you could just see it and I I I can only imagine that it was even more impressive in person just watching it on TV like Christian Harris, the backer for Bama, in a game full of freaks, he flashed. And you were just like, oh, oh yeah. my God, look, look at this guy. Of course, Will Anderson was dominant. That guy should not have to play another year of college football. He should be able to go to the NFL. I, I firmly believe that. But the best story from this game is Stetson Bennett, right? When, when you talk about like, hey, what a storybook ending. Guy was a walk-on, went to JUCO, came back to Georgia, you know, somehow ends up being the starting quarterback and ultimately takes him to a national championship. And he played shitty for like three quarters. We can all acknowledge that, right? And well, the people- everyone that I saw on, on Twitter was just begging uh, Georgia to make a move at quarterback, which, you know, I'm kind of shocked that they didn't, but you know, they've people have talked about replacing Stetson Bennett for two years and they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, that that's a credit to him. Yeah. And uh, Dusty, I talked to Dusty because he was doing the film room thing with Jimbo Fisher and one of ESPN's cameras actually like saw the staff or someone on the staff say something to JT Daniels like he started warming up like a guy that was possibly going to go in the game. So I. I know Kirby didn't make that move and he'll always be praised for it. But yes, that's a bit. It wasn't good for the vast majority of this game, but the fumble, that was the point where we all were like, okay, do they need to do something here? Because it really did feel like that fumble was going to lose them the national championship. Now credit to that team and credit to Stetson Bennett with the way that he bounced back and Hey, credit to Todd Munkin, you know, Bennett makes and they that just mistake. held him to three there, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, and, that, and Bennett makes the mistake. No, they scored a touchdown. Did they score? T- I'm trying yeah. to remember. Okay. And that's that's when we were like, okay, where because it was right. Yeah, fumble touchdown. Bama goes up 18-13 on that, and you're like, okay, what's George gonna do here? Bennett's looked uncomfortable all game. He just had the big fumble, and they just come out slinging it. And he throws a dime. I mean, it's a great catch, great coverage. Uh, That that play was that that was something, man. Yeah, but AD Mitchell with a hell of a catch in that scenario. Um, The ending was great, right? When you look at Ringo's pick six, everyone said, "Get down, get down." He's like, "I'm not chasing it for forty yards, telling him to get down." Oh, so good! But Bama had three timeouts, so it was actually the smart play by Keely Ringo to go score, put the thing away, right? Like just end it then, and they cut to Bennett on the sideline crying. That was that was really really good. The only thing that rivaled that was his his interview on Good Morning America at like eight a.m. the next morning. Poor kid. (laughs) Oh. I don't know if he was hung over, if he was still drunk. It doesn't matter. He did it, and he deserves credit for that. But ultimately, this is a new winner, right? I mean, Georgia hasn't won in 41 years, so I, I know that 
it's another SEC powerhouse, and it, it feels like as long as Kirby Smart's there, that George is going to have things rolling on the recruiting front, and, and they're going to be uh, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But I guess it's a little different, although it doesn't feel that different. It is their first championship in forty one years. No, uh, it's crazy. Um, it's impressive in Stetson Bennett. The, the the couple of throws, big time throws he made down the stretch. Um, that defense winning the game for him, like like you you felt like they were going to have to. Um, that's going to be a play that's remembered in Georgia history forever. Uh, awesome. Question: Why didn't Nick Saban use his timeouts before halftime? I don't know. And is that not being talked about enough? Because they've got them pinned deep. Their defense is playing great. I I know they don't, they probably felt okay. Didn't want to, you know, give Georgia too much time to go down and score. But I mean, you're playing great defensively. I I thought that was a mistake by Saban while it was unfolding. I, I was, I was shocked that he didn't try and get at least play for another field goal or something going into halftime knowing that they were going to be kicking the ball off to Georgia. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then I I think that Saban's demeanor after the game, it it almost told you that he was like, and and who knows if, if Jameson Williams didn't go down, what happens in that game, but like he was smiling Mm -hmm. and of course he's going to congratulate Kirby smart. They were together for forever, but it was, it was almost like he was like, man, I can't believe we're here. Like, right. it, cause he knows, he knows what a national championship caliber team looks like. Right. He, he knows better than anyone in the history of the sport. And I think part of him was like, Hey, I can't believe it. We made here. I'm really proud of these guys for making it here. Like this, this was great. What a fun time. It was, it was weird to see him like that. Maybe he's getting softer in his old age, but it was, it kind of told me a story and he'd been doing that throughout the season, Mm -hmm. right? Where, and I don't know, it was, it was a little different. It was a little different. I, are are you trying to say Saban's Saban's losing a step, dude? Well, I don't know. I just don't know why other than saying, well, we don't, there's still a, you know, a minute and a half or two minutes here. We don't want to call a timeout, shoot ourselves in the foot where we got a chance to take a lead into, and maybe it's it's playing exactly to what you're saying. Like maybe we don't deserve to be here, and we got a chance to take a lead in at, at halftime. Let's not screw this thing up for ourselves. Yeah, could just I, I guess the only thing. And Any, anything else from the national championship game before we move on? Alabama wins it next year. That feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bryce Young, like an entire off season. Oh, motivated. Oh, oh man. Yeah, yep. it'll. That's what we'll we'll talk about. We'll talk about the way too early top twenty fives on the next episode, probably. But yeah, it seems like everyone looks at it like ah, yeah, angry Bama with all those guys coming back. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll go with those guys. Okay, all right. Let's let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks rubber safety surfacing and spend more time. Enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. 
Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I've got to go with Eric Weddle, who is pulling off what may be uh, everyone's dream, to be able to sit around all season and do nothing and then join a team in the playoffs to make a playoff run and hopefully win a Super Bowl. Eric Weddle going to be joining the Rams, who have had some injury issues on the back end. Um, last time he played a football game was 2019, started all 16 games for the Rams, multiple pro bowler, super experienced safety, um, you know, was a, was a captain and signal caller on the, on the defenses where, that, where he always played. So he's a guy that's got enough tenure and understanding of the game to be able to step in and help right away. But that's awesome, isn't it? Coming in fresh baby for a playoff run. Let's go. Yeah. He, he's 37 years old. Retired after the 2019 season, started every game for the Rams that year. And he is a guy that, you know, I've known several guys that have played with him, you know, Tony Jefferson and all, all kinds of guys. They love this guy. So you, you saw what Jalen Ramsey tweeted. He was like, hey, this is my brother. Like, let's get it. And how good of shape could you be in when you've been retired for that long? That's my question. I don't know. Retiring is different than not getting on somewhere. When you don't get on somewhere, you're staying in football shape. You're, you're going to be in some drills. You're going to be doing some stuff, trying to stay as sharp as you can in case you have to pick up midseason to be ready to play right away. And, I, hey, I, you can't be in good shape. You just can't be. And I don't know how much he's going to play. If he ends up playing a lot, he's going to pull a groin or a hamstring or something, soft tissue injury. But um, who knows? he got a little bit of time to try and get prepared, but that's definitely going to be tough on the body. Do you think, do you think this, this signals that Eric Weddle knows that DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to play in this game? Because he, you think he's like... Wait, I will I will come back. And this is a guy that went to like six Pro Bowls. Like he's a really, really good safety. He's a really good player. Great beard also. But do you think he was like, I'm only doing this if you can assure me that Hopkins isn't coming back for this game? 
Uh, I mean, that's that's my read on it. Maybe I'm going too far, like conspiracy theory on that. Number one, I'll only play if Hopkins is out. Number two, like I don't know what his contract situation is, but I would make sure you have in writing that the team has to pay any type of targeting fine that you pick up. Because the last thing you want to do is have your targeting uh, in the only game you play if you guys lose still your entire salary for that one game. But you know how it works. <laughs> or end up man. in the hole, maybe. Yeah, you, you know how it works. Every And this is something that people may not realize. Everyone gets paid the same for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's most people take a ma- – well, not most. A lot of guys take a, a massive pay cut. Yeah. So yeah, because it's only it's like set checks, right? By what yeah, you by how round. long you've been in. Yeah, the you get more the the more you advance. Okay, the more money so you it's get. Not, it's not even like everyone gets the exact same check. It doesn't go on tenure or anything, right? So it's I I think it's the same check. So yeah, yeah if he gets an unnecessary roughness penalty using the crown of his helmet, he could owe money for the return, could, which could be, be in the hole. Be wow. so funny. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Uh, I had to go with Jamison Williams. I know we talked about it a little bit there. Alabama confirmed. I think we all knew uh, off of watching it live, but uh, torn ACL. And he's got a decision to make. Uh, The Monday deadline for guys declaring for the draft is quickly approaching. Um, He's the number one wide receiver in the class by both uh, McShay and Kuyper. Number six player overall. So... I don't know how much a, an ACL uh, surgery is going to affect that. I think they're, they they probably feel pretty confident in the surgeries these days, but people are going to use it. And, you know, who knows what, what he feels like. Maybe wanted to really win a championship. My guess is he probably still bails, but I guess you kind of have to wait and see what the surgery makes sure it takes and you don't have any complications. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of teams in the SEC – going please declare please declare please declare so he he's a he's a really good player and once again i i think the complexion of that game changed drastically when he went down in the first half of that one um who knows we'll never know injuries are part of the game that's how it is uh, i don't feel bad for bama right you know, all you got to do is remember the Colt McCoy injury in that national championship game where Bama ended up winning it. So sometimes those things balance out in in the football world, but yeah, I think he'll declare, but one of the things, and this is right. Football is, it's a physical dangerous game where guys get injured. Like if he goes from being the first receiver off the board to the second or the third, that can be a gigantic loss for him financially. And yeah. I, I wonder if he had any insurance heading into that national championship game. I hope he did. because well, I guarantee he had insurance, but I don't know that it would ever be big enough for him to accept because unless you can have like a pick protected insurance, right? that you can cash in on, but I think it's like, you've got to, you've got to basically agree to never play again or not play at least for a really long time. Yeah. Oh, well, that that's certainly not going to be the case. He tore his ACL. His leg didn't fall off, but right. I, 
that's that's one of the things like if he was going to be the fifth pick and now all of a sudden he's the 15th pick like being the 15th pick is still great but that's so much money he a lost lot. so a we'll lot. we'll see all right if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker stop what you're doing head to your favorite liquor store and buy some balconies products you got to grab some of balconies lineage single malt whiskey it was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That is the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. I have been told, though, Ted, Spirit 66 in Norman just got a big old shipment of Balcones products. So. Maybe go snag some at Spirit 66 there in Norman. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with New York Giants fans because (laughs) they fired Joe Judge. Now, turns out, Calling back-to-back QB sneaks, uh, including one on third and nine, won't get you fired right away, but you start searching for a general manager. You start figuring out that no one wants to work with your head coach, and that ends up being the fireable offense. So Joe Judge has gone after two seasons with the New York Giants, and I can't imagine that New York Giants fans aren't thrilled about that. I wonder if he's thrilled about that. You know, if you're trying to sabotage your own career and get fired, maybe get a nice little buyout. It's toxic there in New York. You don't want to be the coach there anymore. Sneak on third nine. Let's go. Let's really piss everyone off. Yeah. Remember, he was almost the Mississippi State coach. So I wonder if he's looking at that going, man, that would have been that would have been much better. (laughs) But also thought about going with Texas Tech head basketball coach Mark Adams. Turns out that man can coach. Red Raiders went on the road and beat unbeaten, previously unbeaten, number one Baylor in Waco, snapping a 21-game win streak for the Bears. That's a, that is a hell of a win for Mark Adams and for Texas Tech. The Big 12, and we'll start talking some more hoops moving forward. The Big 12 is a grind, man. No, it is, and to be able to – the Big 12 is all about you have to you have to hold serve at home, you have to win home games, and you have to try and still 
a couple of games out on the road. And to go take one from Baylor on the road is – that gives you a nice leg up uh, to start Big 12 play early in the year. That's That's going to be – there's probably not going to be another team, maybe one, uh, go in and beat Baylor on their court. Yeah, but my winner, my winner of the week, people that don't want the college football playoff to expand, the the ten commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick met. There's been all kinds of meetings about this for these people, and they just can't come to an agreement on what college football playoff expansion should look like. Bob Bowlesby, our guy, Bob Bowlesby. Came out guns blazing. He, he's not happy. Uh, said they didn't even come close to getting something done and said that people are being selfish. They're doing what's best for them and not what's best for the, for the entirety of college football. And it sounds like the holdups are revenue distribution, how, how the, pull, the bowls are going to tie into this thing. Uh, big debate over automatic qualifiers for the power five, uh, for the, you know, it will be the group of five the highest ranked champion. What, how, how's that all going to work? Uh, there, there's six different formats that they're discussing and they just can't agree on anything. I, and for, for one, I'm shocked that all these people that couldn't work together last year during all the COVID stuff. Now, all of a sudden can't work together. Now. I mean, just stunned. It, we know well, it's going to happen. What the hell? It is. It's it's a it's a tough situation, just by the nature of college football and the way that everyone has allowed it to be regulated and played and set up for so many years. That here you are, you're you're trying to stick a square peg into a round hole right now with a bunch of different. It, it's not all just seamless and equal parts, and you just plug it all in and it works seamlessly. Everyone's represented by different people. Everyone wants their voice heard. Everyone wants to negotiate uh, for themselves and feels like they are the most important person in the room. It's not easy to do. But for the folks that, you know, don't want college football expansion, you are the short-term winner. But you were dealt a blow whenever the ratings of the championship game came out and it's the lowest rated championship game ever. And the trend continues to be negative for that game. So I it, it's inevitable. It's just it's gonna be like pulling teeth to get there, it looks like. Yeah. And Greg Sankey was the one going around being like, Oh, we're staying at four. Fine. Great. Yeah. Good. It was just terrible. Terrible was, for us. He was out there peacocking hard. I was like, all right, we get it, Greg. But yeah, if I guess if these people don't agree on a format and it sounds like they got a couple more years that where they could do it to where they could implement this before the, the current television contract is up, I don't know. But I still think they'll figure it out eventually. But this has been a PR nightmare for the college football playoff. Why did they come out and say anything in June? If Now, once again, the OU Texas stuff happened. And that kind of shook up the world of college football. And maybe that's maybe realignment is, is a big, big factor. And the, the fact that it could, we could things could see things continue to shake up in college football from that standpoint here in the next couple of years. But I, I don't know, man, it doesn't sound like these people are getting along very well, working, 
working together very well. So we'll see. But I saw all these reports and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm 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 curious to see what what the what the network's representation has been saying in some of those meetings because you know ESPN has it all right now and it sounds like a lot of people want it to be opened up to other carriers uh, other networks to have a share and ultimately that's how like just like the NFL playoffs are and you end up making more money that way and you know, I can understand that. I can under understand ESPN wanting to maintain all of it. Here's the problem. If if you let that contract expire, I've said this before, there's a chance Bezos comes in and is like, oh, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll just buy the whole thing and stream it all on Amazon. And everyone loses you know, the networks lose what they've wanted all along and been trying to play hardball with it. That I think that's something that you kind of have to worry about a little bit in the back of your mind. Maybe that's something that's, you know, guaranteed to not happen. But the streaming stuff is something to look out for, man. They've got more money than they know what to do with. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it this week, but Apple getting into Major League Baseball, it's only the beginning. I hey, I know that ESPN and and Fox like they've been doing it for a long time, and they just feel like it's theirs and they're entitled to it. You boy, be careful, man. Be yes. careful. Those tech companies have more money than you could ever dream of, and buying the streaming service to like the NFL or the college football playoff is pennies to them and it could be it could be a situation where it's like oh it's the tesla college football playoff you're just like oh no oh gosh elon musk is running it oh boy okay for my loser of the week thought about going with myself because apparently i'm the only person on earth not playing wordle i don't really know what it is i haven't i've never even heard of that it it is it's taking the nation by storm. I don't know. It has something to do with words. I know that, but it like, kind of like words with friends used to be. I mean, that was a big deal at one point. I I think it it maybe has some. I don't know. There's squares involved, like green and yellow squares. I I don't know. I got to do some more research, hmm. but okay. maybe we'll get on that. But for my loser of the week, it, it's got to be basketball in the state of Oklahoma. Oklahoma State went to Morgantown, got smacked by West Virginia. The Sooners went to Austin, got thumped by the Longhorns there at the Irwin Center. And then the Thunder, they they at least lost a close one. Uh, it was kind of annoying that the Contavious Caldwell Pope baked in three was kind of the decisive shot in that one. But yeah, just not a good week for basketball in the state of Oklahoma. And especially for Porter Moser, I can't imagine... This is what he wanted his first OU Texas to look like. They just they just played so poorly. I mean, got beat by 14. Texas was way more physical, played with more energy. Uh, it certainly doesn't help when you go one of 13 from three, uh, had 17 turnovers, missed nine free throws. Tanner Groves basically disappeared. I think he had three points. I mean, just it it was not pretty. For the Sooners in Austin and Andrew Jones, who now feels like he's been there for forever, 
gave the Sooners the business, Ted. That was that was not a good performance on the road for Oklahoma. That the first half of that basketball game was like watching a slow motion car crash. That was not good. That was unwatchable basketball. It was like it was like seven to six with like six minutes to go in in the first half. That was that was some ugly ball. We had no offense in the half court. Couldn't penetrate. Couldn't get anything going. Couldn't get any easy looks at the rim. And couldn't get any. It, if you can't get any easy looks at the rim, can't penetrate. You know cause that defense to collapse and you can't hit threes, it's going to be a really, really rough day. I mean, they played good defense for a good portion of the game. They just could not score. Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's really hard. This, this is some deep stuff right here. It's really hard to go on the road and win a game when, when you can't make shots. And I just thought that like all of their offensive action, like Texas really pushed them away from the basket. Like every, all of their sets were starting out away from, you know, several feet from probably where Moser wanted them. And it was just, Texas was more aggressive and Mm -hmm. that's not going to sit well with Porter. I, I thought as far as Groves, like you really saw some of his limitations athletically come through. They had some athletic guys guarding him, um, not allowing him to catch around the three-point line, making him uncomfortable, and it just – they're going to have to figure out some things offensively. As we, far as the Thunder, the KCP bank three, that hurts, but it would have been nice if Dort would have been able to hit the rim with the look he had there at the end of the game, but I suppose him missing is for the best in the long term. It was nice seeing SGA – get it going on the offensive end again. He was really efficient. I mean, had 32 points and continues to impress me with his creativity at the rim. Our boy Josh Giddy with another fat stat line, 18, eight and six, but the, the Thunder have lost five in a row and are now 13 and 27 on the season. So yeah, it, it is what it is, but I did not have a good time this week watching all this basketball connected to the state of Oklahoma. Uh, a lot of L's, a lot of L's for the state this week. Yeah. Uh, that, that game, the OU game last night was one of the more difficult games of basketball I've ever had to try to, uh, to make it through. That was tough, man. That was tough. Thank, that was thank. tough. We, we've got, it could be a real problem for us. We don't have like, our athleticism on ball, like the ability to put it on the floor and penetrate and get to the rim and really put some pressure on people is, is pretty lacking right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it really like that lack of athleticism was really magnified with some of the athletes that Texas has with, with their length. Um, well, and you know, I just saw this this morning, uh, one other L for basketball in the state of Oklahoma. OSSAA Executive Director David Jackson said a survey was sent out to member schools about a 35-second shot clock, and the survey came back, and a majority of member schools were not in favor of adding a shot clock in high school basketball. I find that impossible to believe, impossible to believe. I don't believe it. I don't believe that to be the case. Like, Just it, 
Install a shot clock in high school basketball everywhere, but especially in the state of Oklahoma. Stall ball in high school basketball is the worst thing in sports. It's awful. Fix it. Why would why would that happen? Why would anyone vote no on that? Is it a cost thing? I don't know. I have no it idea. Can't be, it can't be that expensive, but it also, I, I'm guessing that in high school, I, even if you have a shot clock that's out, you could still do it with the referees, but I know that makes it pretty cumbersome, but that's, that's shocking to me. Yeah. I Let's go know. four corners and just wait it out. Oh, the worst thing ever. So bad. <laughs> I hate to end on that note, but episode 180 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.